1: You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network.
0: Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula 1 news. Follow us on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here welcoming you to this week's show. And guys, wow, what an Austrian Grand Prix. Absolutely fantastic stuff. And what a great time of summer this is. I think I've been saying over the past couple of weeks how much I've really been looking forward to this part of 2018. When the in the, uh, the round is 16 at the World Cup in Russia. That's going to be over by the time most of you listen to this program. And we've got one more race in this triple header in Formula One, which goes this weekend at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix, then a week off, and then we finish up with the German Grand Prix and Hungarian Grand Prix before the summer break. And I'm enjoying it. (laughs) Life is good at the moment if you're a sports fan. So let's talk now about the Austrian Grand Prix and what... A race that was. I must admit, I really, really enjoyed that one. Even though, uh, perhaps, if uh, you're a fan of uh, Mercedes and uh, Valtteri Bottas and uh, Lewis Hamilton, obviously not the way that you wanted it to, to go. The uh, the qualifying, of course, started out pretty good. Things were looking pretty good for uh, Mercedes front row lockout for Bottas and Hamilton. Uh, Valtteri was on pole position for the second year in a row. Last year, he started the race and and won it in Austria on a track, the A1 Ring which is uh, one that he really, really likes. And uh, last year he qualified, or sorry, this year he qualified with a time of 103.130. Hamilton just behind him, only about, uh, well, (laughs) a real small margin. His time was 103.149. Sebastian Vettel qualified in third with a 103.464 in the Ferrari, but then had to uh, incur a three grid place penalty after the stewards found him guilty of blocking Carlos Sainz. Which I think if you're Vettel, you gotta be a little bit. Frustrated about, uh, he said afterwards, he didn't realize that uh, that science was there and that the team didn't warn him about it. So a little bit of uh, of tough luck. So that moved uh, Kimi Raikkonen up into third, and then uh, Max Verstappen and Roman Grosjean in the Haas Ferrari qualifying in fifth for this race, and that was uh, two spots ahead of his uh, teammate uh, Danny Ricard, or sorry, Kevin Magnussen, and they sandwiched uh, Danny Ricardo on the second Red Bull there. A big turnaround for for Haas this weekend, uh, and we'll get to them a little bit later on. And then uh, it was... Very very exciting. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. The start of the race. Kimi Räikkönen got a very very good start there. Managed to split the two Mercedes cars, but uh, didn't actually manage to take the lead. And there was all sorts of uh, jostling and uh, going around, and uh, it was it was quite something. Uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, unfortunately, if you're a fan of Seb, got uh, pushed a little bit wide in the first corner, and uh, his uh, race was made a little bit more miserable, dropping from sixth down to eighth by the time they got to the first corner and it was it was a fascinating race to watch uh, when you saw that, uh, that just the the tire strategies employed I think uh, Vettel started on the Ultrasofts which is uh, different uh, to the other front running cars the Red Bulls his teammate and the two Mercedes who were also on the Supersoft tires but the big shock in the race early on came when Novaltari Botas had to retire because of a hydraulic issue. He came out of turn three, wasn't able to shift, and then just pulled over, and that was his race done. And that was a real shocker, obviously, because Botas was running very well despite losing out a little bit at the beginning there. But. Mercedes, I think, coming into this race, what with all the upgrades that they brought over the past couple of weeks, I was starting to get that little bit of an ominous feeling because uh, Lewis Hamilton did so well in France last weekend uh, when he uh, won the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard. And they introduced more upgrades for for the, uh, the Austrian Grand Prix this weekend. And I was starting to get a little bit of that sinking feeling that, well, okay, if Mercedes has kind of figured out how to gain back some of that advantage, then maybe they're going to pull away from uh, Red Bull and uh, from Ferrari and it's going to be silver <laughs> all the way till the end of the year. Well, if you're a Mercedes fan, that's not a bad thing, but I've really been enjoying the season so far and just considering each and every weekend really seems to be a, a back and forth between any one of these uh, top three teams and I think uh, it's really great to see that uh, Red Bull's back in the mix just to make it all that more unpredictable. Anyhow, just to going back to the the, the aftermath of uh, Botas and his retirement was that uh, they brought out a virtual safety car while they just got his car um, uh, removed from the track and out of the danger zone. And this was what I thought was a second interesting thing. Over the past couple of years, especially going back maybe to 2016, Ferrari were the ones that always had the really suspect tactics and didn't really come out on top. I think that we've seen, especially this year, that Red Bull seems to be on point. They're the ones that seem to have the strategy down, and they're very good at thinking on their feet. Uh, This time, it was um, uh, Mercedes that really got uh, caught uh, you know, looking in the wrong direction or looking at uh, the sun in their eyes, whatever you want to call it. Because while the, the virtual safety car was out on the track, both Ferrari and Red Bull double stacked their cars, changed their tires and went out. And that uh, meant that even though Lewis Hamilton was still leading Max Verstappen, Danny Ricardo, Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel, by the time you really took uh, took a look at where he would come out once that would be corrected once he would go in for his own pit stop then he was actually running about fourth position in the race at the at that time and lo and behold that's exactly what happened uh, later on when uh, so <clears throat> when uh, lewis hamilton actually did pit for tires he came out a couple of seconds in front of sebastian vettel and that was obviously a very frustrating moment for the quadruple world champion lewis never afraid to speak his mind and I I think it was very uh, interesting to hear what he was saying when he was on the race radio, just saying that, you know, we've thrown this race away. You know, we've uh, thrown away basically was a, what was an easy win. And, uh, you know, you heard uh, James Vowles, who's the, uh, the head of strategy of Mercedes, getting on the radio and apologizing to him. It was all academic in the end because Lewis Hamilton, uh, surprisingly, had uh, blistering issues with the, the set of tires that he put on because he ended up pitting about 10 laps later than the other four cars that, uh, that were behind him at the time. So that meant, uh, well, at least I think the expectation was he would uh, come out, make his one pit stop of the race and have uh, rubber that's 10, 10 laps fresher than everybody else and then be able to... Well, basically, I think we all expected Lewis to, uh, to, to to recover. And when you think that Lewis has got a good car underneath him, you always expect that good things are, are going to happen. But with this uh, blistering issue that he had on the tires and also uh, plagued Danny Ricardo and plagued so many other cars, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, meant that he just wasn't able to, to really race uh, very hard. I was really looking forward to it when he came back out in front of Vettel. I thought maybe we might actually get a chance to see uh, Hamilton and Vettel go go head to head, which we haven't really seen too many times uh, over the years and seems to be a, a bit of a rare treat and just the issues that Hamilton was having uh, did mean that eventually on lap 39 that Sebastian Vettel was able to make a bold move on him and actually uh, I thought it was quite a good move uh, from Vettel right up in that uh, turn three up at the top of the hill, that 90 degree, uh, degree corner managed to get on the inside of uh, Hamilton at the end of that DRS zone and put a good move on him there. Of course, uh, we've seen Hamilton have a bit of drama at that corner before coming together there with former teammate uh, Nico Rosberg, I believe, in uh, 2016. But the real shocker, if it wasn't shocking enough to see one Mercedes car retire from the race with mechanical issues uh, earlier on, was the fact that Hamilton himself ended up uh, retiring from the race uh, later on. And uh, there there was a bit of uh, foreshadowing, and I was really wondering what was going on at the time, because uh, Hamilton did mention at one point, he said, "Oh, guys, uh, i'm I'm experiencing some loss of power or something like that." And I was wondering exactly what it was. Uh, I was watching his lap times after he uh, made that uh, admission on the radio. And of course, his lap times were were still very competitive. Ultimately, he did uh, retire because of what was a, a fuel pressure issue. So perhaps maybe that's what uh, part of that loss of power was that he was referring to at that uh, point in the race, but uh, he just wasn't uh, able to uh, to finish it. So shocking. And just the way that the whole race uh, finished up, we had uh, Max Verstappen in first. Teammate Danny Ricardo ended up uh, retiring with uh, a problem with his uh, exhaust and his uh, Renault engine. in his his Red Bull. And that meant that Kimi Raikkonen came second and Sebastian Vettel in third. And wow, that really shook things up. So that means that now in the Drivers' uh, Championship... Sebastian Vettel has leapfrogged Lewis Hamilton by a single point and is uh, now leading the Drivers' Championship by 146 to 145 points. And then in the Constructors' Championship, Ferrari has now leapfrogged Mercedes and uh, are leading that uh, category 247 compared to 237 points. Mercedes and shocking I know I mean how often do we see a Mercedes car retire I was I didn't really look into this one so correct me if uh, I'm wrong I believe that the last time Lewis uh, retired with a, a mechanical issue at least as far as I can remember was was that not Malaysia 2016 that was right during that uh, th- that last run of a series of races at the at that year where uh, N- Nico Rosberg really seemed to be I'd say managing and and really taking a risk adverse uh, approach to the, the at the end of the season, just getting the results that, that he needed, and then uh, Lewis Hamilton really pushing. I think it was the big end that let go in Hamilton's car on on that day. So perhaps he had a mechanical issue last year. I don't remember off the top of my head, and it was the first DNF since uh, twenty six or double DNF I should say for uh, Mercedes since uh, I guess it was Spain twenty sixteen when Rosberg and uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, Hamilton crashed on the opening lap of the Spanish Grand Prix, and uh, the benefactor of that day of course was max verstappen who <laughs> won his first ever career formula one race so that's uh, i guess simply put when bad things happen for mercedes good things happen for uh, for max verstappen wow <laughs> and then just one final interesting statistic is that this was the first double dnf for mechanical failure for mercedes uh, i think since 1955 or 1956 it's been a hell of a long time <laughs> let's just uh, put it that way but very good I, I was very pleased uh, to see Max uh, Verstappen uh, win uh, that that race obviously Max has had uh, his problems uh, this year and I was saying before the race uh, started I was saying that I, I really thought that uh, that Botas was going to, to win that one considering you know he, he'd done so well there last year he was on pole position this year and I thought that he really deserved it after he's had uh, obviously uh, some uh, some bad luck this year uh, you know <laughs> the most uh, notable one of course, was when he was leading in Baku at the, uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix a couple months ago, he ran over some, some debris late in the race, punctured his tires, and then, uh, ended up, uh, retiring from that one. So very disappointing, uh, for Valtteri, but You know, give um, credit where credit is due. I've been uh, critical of Max Verstappen this year, and uh, obviously his team and uh, Dr. Helmut Marko said uh, just as recently as the Monaco Grand Prix last month that uh, he needed to to really focus and and get things under control because... uh, he was just really erratic i mean making some driving mistakes uh, you know driving into into other cars getting involved in controversy where he didn't need to but uh, but since that incident in in free practice in monaco max uh, obviously started at the, uh, the the back of the grid but uh, recovered nicely in that race which uh, although <laughs> you know uh, monaco is impossible really to to make up ground he did very well i mean let let's give him credit he's done well in canada did well in france and now uh, winning uh, the the grand prix i mean ever since that Wh- whatever... <laughs> He uh, the, the conversations he had with uh, with Marco, w- with his dad, Joss Verstappen, whoever else, family, friends, advisors, whatever, I think the mass- message has gotten through to Max Verstappen. He seems to me, he seems calmer. He seems more focused. Obviously, he's very quick. And that move that he put on Kimi Raikkonen at uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, I think it was briefly looked at uh, by the stewards because Kimi, he was looking pretty good. I mean, he, he did uh, very good through that opening lap, but then quickly got swallowed up by the Mercedes and then uh, Max Verstappen. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, well, what's wrong uh, with Kimi? Does he have a problem here? And then you hear on the radio, uh, Raikkonen saying that he think he got hit by one of the the Red Bulls. Couldn't really see it at the time. But when you saw the in-car camera uh, from both uh, Raikkonen and from uh, from Verstappen, it was pretty obvious. First of all, you saw it from Kimi's point of view, and you can just see the the, the car wiggle a l- uh, little bit. But when you see the, the, the camera from uh, Verstappen's car, it was uh, pretty obvious. It was an aggressive move. But hey, I mean, it uh, it worked out. It was a it was a bit of a wheel tap, Max's right front tire on Kimmy's left rear, uh, but they they didn't crash. Uh, Raikkonen wasn't uh, pushed off of the track, didn't suffer adversely, and yeah, aggressive, sure, reckless, no, I don't think so, and uh, definitely, uh, it was not some of the. Uh, more questionable moves that we've seen Max put on people earlier, earlier this year. And amazing to think what with all the drama and all the changes going around, what with uh, virtual safety cars and and pit stops and tires blistering and cars retiring that, uh, that, that move fairly early on in the first couple laps of the race actually turned out to be the move of the race it was a I think it was a great move and uh Raikkonen said afterwards he thought that both he and Max did uh, very well not to crash so uh fair enough and Christian Horner the the team principal at uh at Red Bull uh, came out after the race to to praise a disciplined and mature Max Verstappen. And uh, he hailed uh, Verstappen's ability to manage his tires en route to, to winning the Austrian Grand Prix. And that was true. I, while a lot of cars were really having problems with uh, with blistering, Ricardo, his teammate, uh, one, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, another, and so many other cars uh, throughout the field. There was uh, one point uh, I think that Max uh, said on the, the, the radio, I think he did say he had a bit of a, a vibration or something in the car and uh, his engineers mentioned something about the blistering and uh, Max and rather calmly I thought almost a little bit nonchalant said uh, you know don't worry about me everything's uh, just going fine and uh, he was uh, he, he did very well of course uh, the, the two Ferraris did manage to close uh, the gap at uh, t- the, the towards the end of the race uh, I was wondering at one point whether or not uh, they would be able to, to catch up and maybe push Max a, a little bit but that gap that was I think about five to six seven was uh, five to six uh or seven seconds was reduced to about a second and a half by the, the the end of the race so who knows if they had another half a dozen laps or so m- maybe Raikkonen might have been able to push max for that but uh, that doesn't uh necessarily mean that uh, Raikkonen would have been able to uh get around him and uh, and take the take the, uh, the the victory victory for himself but uh, yeah the it was those that that blistering boy was that ever an issue and uh, we'll talk about that in a in a minute. I think the air temperature at the track was something about 23 22 degrees centigrade, not terribly warm, I mean very pleasant, uh, you know, fairly mild uh, for a summer afternoon, but the, uh, the the track temperature more than doubled and that really caused uh, a lot of uh, uh, problems. But just to finish up that thought uh, Horner said that uh, Max was very much in control. He said he was a, it was a very disciplined and uh, mature drive. He had a good feeling for the for the tires, the slip, the control, and it was a, a very, very impressive uh win. So he he said and going back to the, what I was saying a little bit earlier that his first win in Barcelona and uh, Horner reminisced on that saying it was a very similar uh, circumstances he said that race was uh very much about uh, tire conservation that day because he he said uh, uh, even uh, on uh, Sunday at Spielberg at uh, the A1 ring he said that the uh, the track temperatures were about 10 to 12 degrees hotter than it was a, a couple of uh, days earlier during free practice now, I, I love this uh, next one. I saw this on uh, ESPNF1.com, and uh, the uh, the article was uh, <laughs> titled, Max Verstappen refusing to rule out title challenge. I went on to say uh, Verstappen has his sights on challenging for the dri- driver's title after winning the uh, Austrian Grand Prix. When he asked if a, a challenge, uh, challenge for the title is realistic, Verstappen told Sky Sports, quote, well, we never give up. Like I said, it's a good run we are having now but still we need a bit more engine power and then we can definitely be in the mix. Okay, I mean, if you're in the media, you got to ask that question. Uh, but uh, Verstappen, he's got a lot of work uh, to do if he's actually going to insert himself in that conversation uh, for the World Championship. At this point in time, the beginning of uh, July, July 2nd, Uh, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton are running neck and neck and Kimi Räikkönen is the next closest one in third place with 101 points. Uh, Ricardo's fourth with 96. Verstappen is third with 93 points and Valtteri Bottas dropping like a rock through the uh, through the Drivers' Championship. He's back in sixth position now with a 92 and he's going to stay there for a while unless K-Mag and the Haas can find a way to to bag a a big amount of points because (laughs) Magnussen is seventh in the drive championship with uh, with 37 but yeah i mean Verstappen to get anywhere close to uh, Sebastian Vettel he needs uh, something like 47 about 53 points to to tie uh, Sebastian Vettel at uh, at the top of the ra- or the top of the championship there Formula 1 of course is a very funny and unpredictable sport at times and even though it's been more unpredictable and uh, a a better season I think uh, by far than a, a lot of people uh, were predicting what well, with the uh, the what do you want to call it the the rebirth the resurrection of uh, of Red Bull this year has certainly made things uh, interesting but that to me just seems like a, a bit of a uh, a long shot at the moment hey Max, love him. If he can do it, it'd be great. It would be exciting, but I don't know. I think he has a shot to win a a couple more races uh, this year. And I think uh, even Verstappen himself said that uh, that probably wouldn't happen this weekend at Silverstone, but probably his next shot to realistically win a Grand Prix would be at the Hungarian Grand Prix at the end of uh, this month. And speaking of Sebastian Vettel, he said that he was very impressed with uh, Max uh, Verstappen's Austrian uh, Grand Prix performance. And he said that he he won it after he made virtually no mistakes. Uh, Like like I was saying a little earlier, it was a a very courageous move, very aggressive move that he put on uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, But uh, other than that, he was uh, completely flawless. So, uh, Max, uh, uh Sebastian said that, uh, he won the race because he deserved to, he did it very well, managing his tires to the end and he didn't have, um, any mistakes. And, uh, of course, uh, Seb goes on to say, I didn't see him going off. So that's a strong performance from him. <laughs> so what do you think? That's a four-time world champion praising perhaps somebody that has all the, the bona fides and all the, uh, all the hallmarks, I think of somebody that could be a world champion at some time in the future. Now, let's talk about the debacle that was Mercedes' Sunday afternoon at the A1 Ring. Lewis Hamilton said after the race that he believes that Mercedes need a quote bulletproof strategy strategy solution. And, uh, he's, he said that, uh, of course, after what he said, uh, the team threw away an easy win at the, the Austrian uh, Grand Prix. And, uh, and, like I was saying earlier, he lost that due to a, a strategy miscalculation when, uh, he was not brought in under the virtual state safety car. And that, uh, that really messed things up, uh, for, for him. I mean, uh, the, uh, the, uh, fuel pressure problem notwithstanding he would have had a lot of work to 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 really get back to first place and i th- i think it's interesting i mean especially like last week that once you see those top five or six cars all running together that there is not a lot of opportunity to make ground up on uh, on one another I mean, if you remember last week at uh, Paul Ricard, when uh, Sebastian Vettel and Valtteri Bottas uh, came together at uh, at the first corner, they ended up at the at the back of the pack, and Sebastian uh, really carved his way through the, the the field rather quickly. I think by about lap twenty or thereabouts, he was uh, back in the in the top five. Uh, Kimi Räikkönen and his teammate was in in P four at the time. And that time gap uh, between the two of them did not really change very much. You know, you'd sort of watch lap after lap; they were pretty even, uh, unless there was uh, the the uh, the odd time when one or the other came up and uh, was uh, was lapping a car or or something like that. And the the same thing I noticed uh, on uh, on Sunday at the Austrian Grand Prix. So Lewis would have really needed to, to find something special to, to to really get back up into to first place, and you could tell as much and. You, you the uh, the wording that uh, that Lewis the way that he was saying things over the over the radio, he was pretty blunt and to the point. He's just saying, you know, guys, we threw away an easy win. He said, I'm not going to be able to pass these guys in front of me. And when when you're a guy that's used to being out front and used to winning races and championships like Lewis Hamilton, I mean, that must be so frustrating to end up where you do uh, on the track because of what was uh, basically a, a mental error, a, a lapse in judgment that uh, they, they really should have been uh, should have done better in. But, of course, uh, as I was saying earlier, it really seems that uh, that Red Bull is the team to really look to they 're the ones that really are able to think on their feet and uh, we 've seen it uh, several times this year. These bold moves and quick moves to to take advantage of situations like that and of course, uh, it looked like uh, it was not going to be their day at Shanghai earlier in the year at uh, at the Chinese Grand Prix, but after the the Rosos crashed uh, at, uh, at uh, I think it was about halfway through the race, whatever it was and uh, brought out the safety car. They did the same thing, very quick to react to the situation. And uh, unfortunately, that day, Max Verstappen collided with uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, robbed himself not only of a possible victory, but uh, certainly robbed uh, them of a, a double podium. Of course, Danny Ricardo went on to to win that race in China. But it's uh, it's interesting to see. That uh, that Ferrari, of course, said uh, that they did the same thing and double stacked uh, Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel at the same time. And Ferrari haven't always been the best ones when it's uh, come to uh, the the pit stop strategy. They've gotten better over the past couple of years, but uh, definitely <laughs> in Austria it was uh, it was a uh, Mercedes that came out worse for for wear. And uh, and Hamilton he was pretty blunt and he said afterwards, "quote I'm not going to lie, all areas we are going to have to work on. The car has been great all weekend. We were the quickest but to have two different faults on each car which is very unusual we really can't throw away points everyone in the team is really feeling the pain today but i think you just have to look at it we have had such great reliability for so many years and as painful as it is we are and we are perfectionists we really have to take the rough with the smooth this definitely is the worst week weekend for us and i can remember for a, a long long time i have every confidence in my team that will be able to bounce back Hey, and what uh, what better time to bounce back this weekend than the British Grand Prix? Uh, Hamilton has won there a couple of times, won there last weekend. And, uh, I think that would be a, a great way to turn his, uh, bit of a rough patch around here, uh, the, this past weekend. And I think, uh, obviously when it comes to the British Grand Prix and, uh, Hamilton being Lewis Hamilton, uh, and being a proud, uh, uh Brit himself is really going to go out, uh, flying on Saturday. But his teammate, Valtteri Botas, said after the race that uh, his poor luck feels like, quote, a bad joke and he said that uh, well i mean it's not just this past uh, past weekend but the entire season so far says it uh, feels like a bad joke and uh bottas uh, of course he beat hamilton to the pole dropped to the fourth after a poor uh, poor start and then he was already back up to seconds but then out of the race with hydraulic pressure, and Botas said, quote, The luck I'm having this year feels like a bit of bad luck at the moment, or a bit of bad joke at the moment. My start was not ideal, I had a bit of wheel spin, and there was less grip than we expected, so I dropped a few places. Tough luck for Valtieri, but I think he's been. Other than that, I think he's been doing the job for uh, for Mercedes uh, this year. And I think the the question was even put to to Nicky Lauda, the non executive chairman at Mercedes, after qualifying on Saturday, whether uh, Valtieri, uh, after he clinched pole position, I think the question was uh, something: Are you going to keep him uh, for for 2019? I think uh, now to, allow to quit back. Well, why wouldn't we? And I think that uh, Botas, despite all the bad luck he uh, has had, I think that he's really proven to be a a good teammate uh, at Mercedes. I think there that he's obviously total wolf has taken a a different approach after uh, Nico Rosberg uh, retired. That whole thing of having, you know, your your number one and Nico, or sorry, and uh, Lewis Hamilton, maybe your one A and Nico Rosberg. Obviously, Hamilton lap for lap was always going to be the faster, the better of the two drivers, but uh, Rosberg was able to push him and was able to win his fair share of uh, races, and of course, did win a world championship. But that relationship was toxic at uh, at the at the best of times, and I think that uh, Botas' role is not so much to, to to push for a world championship himself. Well, maybe it is, but uh, I think maybe more that uh, he's there to, to, to maximize the points for Mercedes, be a good uh, teammate to, to Lewis Hamilton, help them win the constructors' championship, and more than anything else, take points away from Sebastian Vettel and uh, and Ferrari. I think that uh, you know I think they wouldn't mind if he won a world championship, but I don't think uh, they would want to get back in a situation where it would be Valtteri and Lewis Hamilton fighting for it, like he did with uh, with Rosberg several times. All right. Well, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, giving credit where credit is due. So let's uh, give some props to to Haas F1, who uh, had a, a very good race uh, this past weekend. Their their two cars uh, qualified in sixth and eighth. Uh, of course, they moved up a spot after the penalty to, or at least uh, Roman Grosjean did, moved up a spot after uh, Kimi, or sorry, Sebastian Vettel was uh, was penalized. But a, a very good uh, rebound for them. It's been very a difficult year for them. They came out very, very good at the uh, at the Austrian Grand Prix, and then had uh, issues with their pit stops, which forced both of the cars out. And they've had issues uh, now and again, but Kevin Magnussen has been doing fairly decently. He's, uh, like I was saying earlier, he's seventh in the constructors' uh, championship. He's uh, he's the the top of the best of the rest, if you want to call him that. Uh, who doesn't drive a Ferrari, a Red Bull, or a Mercedes car. So he's been very good, quietly racking up points here and there. He had a bit of controversy in Azerbaijan uh, when he had a bit of an incident with uh, Toro Rosso's Pierre Gasly, which uh, Gasly went on to label uh, KMAG as uh, dangerous. But still, I mean, he's been uh, piling up uh, points for them. But uh, Grosjean, his teammate, Roman Grosjean, has had all sorts of problems this year. hadn't scored a single points uh, before the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, but uh, did very well uh, to 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 qualify where he did. And uh, they were uh, the, the Sky Sports commentators uh, David Croft and Martin Brundle were talking to Haas team principal uh, Gene Steiner. Or sorry, <laughs> Gene Steiner, <laughs> hybrid of the uh, the team owner and the team principal. Sorry, Günther Steiner said that uh, that the goal on Saturday was to get uh, both cars into Q three, and uh, that's uh, what uh, exactly what they did but they managed to uh to to nail it both cars finished the race roman grosjean actually uh, came home in fourth position which is an absolutely fantastic result for them, and good for Roman Grosjean. I've been uh, pretty critical uh, about him. I mean, some of the things that he's done this year really haven't been uh, very flattering to him. There was the uh, the accident he had at uh, Baku when he put the car into the uh, into the wall under his safety car. The big spin he had in the first uh, lap of the the Spanish Grand Prix in Turn Three when, uh, bizarrely, rather than just uh, running off wide off of the track, he decided to uh, to put the the hammer down, spin out create a a gigantic smoke cloud uh, which could have been a a very disastrous uh, situation but uh, in the end he ended up uh, colliding with uh, Nico Hülkenberg's uh, Renault and then also Pierre Gasly. So I mean, just... He's done some bizarre things this year, but I mean, credit where credit is due. I mean, he did have a, a a decent, a very good race and a a good qualifying as did his, uh, as did his teammate, uh, Kevin Magnuson, who also finished in the, in the top five. He was, uh, well, fourth and fifth. For uh, for Haas and I mean you can't uh, argue with that. And Gene Haas, the uh, the the, uh, the the team owner, he refused to really get uh, too carried away with the the results. He said that uh, the car was on was uh, had a good pace all weekend, but he felt that it was a one race for redemption. He went on to say, "Well, if we we can do it for five races, then maybe we've uh, got." something. But just going back to talk a little bit more about uh, Roman Grosjean, he was saying that his tires were about to uh, explode uh, and he really struggled over the last couple of laps and uh, really doubted at one point whether or not he'd uh, make it uh, to the end. And it was quite funny when he crossed the line, he said something to the effect of, uh, bro, when you see these rear tires, they've blistered like you've never seen in your life or or something uh, to that uh, effect. So, good for them. We'll uh, wait and see whether or not, uh, Haas can uh, repeat that uh, this weekend at the British Grand Prix, but uh, a good race for them in Austria, nonetheless. But just talking now about the uh, the blistering issue that uh, Renault had, or not just Renault, but uh, all of the teams. But uh, uh, Carlos Sainz uh, he suffered a, a little bit uh, more than most. Uh, he uh, he just said that the, the the blistering that the Pirelli tires had made his car uh, undrivable, and it's very interesting because the um, I don't know what it is exactly in the design of the the Renault. This year, but they seem to struggle more with uh, with tires uh, more than uh, than uh, anyone else. But uh, he was just not able to, to really get uh, anything out of the tires uh, that he had. But Pirelli did admit uh, that they were surprised by the amount of blistering that they had in uh, in Austria. But they say that it is a known issue at the Red Bull Ring, and it wasn't even really. A, a talking point it wasn't really an issue earlier in the the uh, in the weekend, when everybody was uh, really focusing on the graining on the tires, but. When the tires, uh, when the track temperature went up on uh, Sunday, it really pushed the tires over the edge, uh, especially the soft compound. And that uh, really uh, affected a lot of guys' uh, races. Uh, like I was saying, Hamilton and Ricardo were the two uh, most notable guys. And Pirelli F1 boss uh, Mario Osola said that, uh, that the blistering is part of the game, uh, but uh, it shouldn't be taken to, to the extreme. Whatever that means, <laughs> he said. Uh, last year on the track, we had some blisters, so we consider this a track that has the potential for, for blistering. All right, well, let's uh, start wrapping this thing up now. And uh, yeah, like I was saying, this weekend we have uh, the third of the triple header third race, which uh, of course will be the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, which is uh, one of my favorites. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get news sooner rather than later that uh, Silverstone has uh, going to sign a new deal to extend beyond uh, 2019. Of course, they triggered that early release clause last year, but uh, they have been in discussions with the commercial uh, rights holders, uh, Liberty Media, to uh, get that deal sorted out. And uh, both parties have said uh, publicly that uh, that's something that is uh, in the best interest uh, for both of them uh, the the rest of the discussions and the state thereof has been uh been held behind closed doors and uh fair enough but uh, hopefully it won't be uh too long uh, before that is uh made made known that and hopefully it's going to be a, a good outcome anyways uh, there will be a new challenge at uh silverstone this weekend with the the addition of a, a new drs zone and uh, that uh, will uh, be in the new drs uh, zone at uh, turn one which will be absolutely uh fantastic to see watching the cars going through that first corner with uh, their their wings uh, open and this is part of the FIA's continuing uh continuing quest if you want to call it that to improve uh, overtaking and the third DRS zone uh, will be uh, at along the start finish straight at Silverstone and it's kind of cool because if uh, you look at uh, where it's uh, going to be uh, with the uh, Abbey's the first right-hander and then falling Farm, the left-hander both uh, being flat out on uh, at uh, uh, during the race. Especially when the cars uh, have uh, low fuel, means that uh, the the drivers will have the the option of keeping the the DRS open through the turns. So it could be uh, quite interesting to watch, especially uh, with the the, the reduced uh, amount of downforce at the rear. Means that uh, some cars might actually uh, risk getting out of shape and spinning out so the uh should be good fun watching them uh with that uh, DRS zone i think that uh, extra one they added in austria this past weekend uh, uh did uh, help i know that uh, you can go back to that uh, that old ar- argument that uh, DRS is a little bit of a uh artificial uh, overtaking or whatever you want to call it just because the aero effect that these cars have make it uh, very difficult to get within a you know a couple of seconds and that is something of course that they're they're really looking at uh, for next year and beyond in 2021 and beyond of course uh to to really find a, a formula and a set of rules and uh, specifications that uh, will really uh, lend itself to to increased overtaking in its most I guess pure organic natural form whatever you want to call it but Hey, DRS is what we have right now. And uh, if they can uh, I- increase the the opportunity for, for overtaking with adding uh, extra DRS zones at Grand Prix, then uh, I'm all for it. And also, I like I've been saying the past couple of weeks, I've been extremely excited <laughs> and enjoying this uh, condensed and uh Rather uh, jam-packed Formula One schedule, but uh, good news is that the 2019 season will start a week earlier than usual. Uh, the uh, The Australian uh, sorry, the Australian Grand Prix is set uh, for the March 14th to 17th slots. Uh, that will be ratified by the uh, the World Motorsport uh, Council at some point, and uh, that is actually March is actually a very busy time uh, in the sports calendar in Melbourne, in Australia, and apparently it does uh, conflict with the uh, the start the Australian football league season uh the week afterwards uh, so the um uh, that's part of the conflict and also it'll be interesting uh, because uh this year what with their sorry next season moving the, uh, the the start of the uh F1 calendar forward a week means that it will uh <clears throat> excuse me it will uh, conflict with the world endurance championship sebring fixture which means that uh, we could perhaps not see fernando alonso in australia assuming that uh, we see for fernando alonso sign a contract with uh, mclaren or another f1 team for 2019 Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up there, guys. It's been an extremely busy weekend here for me. I was covering uh, World Cup matches all weekend and uh, trying to fit in Formula One between that. So actually... I'm ready to go back to work. Uh, Sunday was Canada Day here in uh, in the True uh, North Strong and Free. So we are enjoying uh, Monday as a day off what, with the uh, our national holiday falling on a weekend. So that means my Monday is a Tuesday. So by the time you are listening to this podcast, I will be struggling through my first cup of coffee at the office and trying to get my week started but it's all good anyways of course uh now that we're in july means that we're only a couple of days away from independence day so a happy fourth of july to all of my american friends and all of my american listeners i hope you have uh enjoy your national holiday as well and well we'll be right back at it in a couple of days the british grand prix goes later this week and i can't wait Until then, please do me a big favor and Kevin as well, who will be back in a couple of weeks after the Formula, sorry, the, uh, not the Formula One season is over, but the World Cup is over. And then we will get back to our normal, uh, programming here on Scuderia F1. But, uh, if you could do us a big favor, which will help us uh, grow the show and make it more visible. If you could, uh, leave us a five-star review and a rating on iTunes or sorry, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher radio, wherever you download your podcast from, we would uh, greatly appreciate that. As always, comments and feedback are always welcome. You can do that on Twitter at scudriaf1pod, or you can email us at scudriaf1pod at gmail.com. Anyways, until next time, that's a wrap, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the
0: Scuderia F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to scuderiaf1pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com.
1: You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.